It's me. It's me. It's the D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James. And by my side, as always, is that B-A-double-D-A-double crooked letter, badass Billy Gunn. Together we are the New Age Outlaws. And you're listening to the VOC Nation. And if you ain't down with that, he's got two words for you. Suck it. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling with History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course, In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOC Nation. All right, you guys, podcast time. We got the equipment and the perfect business plan. Give our show away for free and tell no one how to find it. Ready? Get in there. You will deal with that Atlas harshly. I think he broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Okay, so I saw a tweet that said that somebody wanted to talk some shit, mm-hmm. and the first person that answered that tweet was me. And here You're we waiting, are. You know. Uh, and yes, you, and know. you can already hear from the voice. Of, not only do we have Craig Lagans here as always, HIC Talk Radio, VOCNation.com, on your smartphone, in your podcast app, type in VOC Nation Radio, you'll find us. Some changes are coming around before the end of the year. Some big changes. So I'm told. But our our guest, I've been wanting to get on back on here for a long time. Uh, some shit went down. There's going to be a lot. Here's your only wor- warning. Okay, the Wrestling Historian Podcast, we're going to try to keep with less curses. This one, I can't promise you. From here on out, there's going to be a lot of cussing from a bunch of people from South Jersey, Philly, originally. I love that the wrestling history podcast is the one that you don't want people to swear on. <laughs> I have no, no. It's not that I don't want them to. It's just that we do it less. Ah, you know. My know. point is, to is get that, right with Jesus. No, I, Jesus doesn't. Jesus is not real. I don't, it doesn't. It's <laughs> <laughs> Craig praise. But my point is, is this is your last fucking warning. We're gonna be cursing a lot after this. Uh, everybody. Lolo is here. Hello, Lolo. Hello, Lolo. Hello. Hello, Lolo. It's me. I made it. <laughs> I made it. Shit, shit talker extraordinaire. I have to, um, I, well, you know what? Let's just see where this goes. I want to apologize to you uh, here in the, what's up, Matt? Oh, How you God. doing? What's up, Dad? I want to apologize to you because uh, we haven't spoken since 
a couple of months ago. Dude, we, 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 we text like at least once a week, my guy. We text, but we have, I have not spoken to you. I have not seen you. Oh, I don't talk. I don't, I don't speak. I don't use my voice unless I'm being recorded. Otherwise I'm silent. I'm a monk. Fair I do enough. not talk. But I yeah. want to, I want to apologize that stuff went down the way it did and there is nothing to be, can, could be done with it. After the high, we all, quite frankly, we all went <laughs> on, on. Okay. I mean, there mm-hmm. was, there was sex in the bathrooms. There yep. was there was sex in the ring. There was wrestling. Oh yeah. There was uh, <laughs> there was some wrestling, mostly sex. There was some wrestling, but it was a good show. It was a well attended, one of the best attended indie shows I've been to in a long time. It was Butch versus Gore, one of the first, one of the first or the first. Um, I would. Uh, it was definitely one of the first, but I would. I'm gonna shoot my own horn here and say it was definitely the biggest and most relevant. I, I'll give you that. It was the biggest relevant LGBTQ wrestling show put on, uh, which uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, but no, not even a couple of weeks next week. Oh boy. You, you folks have nothing, no idea what you're getting into when you order and you will order Paris is bumping. I'm just going to oh say my God. that. I'm so, I'm so excited. The final cut has been made and I, I had the offer from, uh, from my partner, Billy Dixon to, view it early and i'm choosing not to i am a oh, wow okay. I'm, a, I'm a i'm a man of the people wow i so, yeah I, humble i, I want to watch it uh, i want to watch it among the you know i don't know i've got i have i have no finality to that actual joke no punchline but yeah no i want to <laughs> i, I want to see it in real time so i have no interest in watching it early i just uh i i'm conscientious of, of how shit went down and it sounded like a lot of fun and it sounded like a lot of drama in the best possible way so <laughs> yeah you guys are you're in for quite the treat and I'm, I'm excited we got that thursday night spot to kick off halloween weekend oh God. there's gonna be <laughs> there's gonna be some uh, if there wasn't a pandemic man i can't tell you i can't oh uh, i mean this pre-pandemic this event was gonna be pretty big but you know if if there's anything that we walked out of butch versus gore knowing it's that um billy and i are pretty good at this yeah uh, yeah pretty okay. much we're all right yeah. at it we're pretty good at this and no, um you're, you're real good at it <laughs> this uh this is stuff that can be that can be replicated not easily but it can be replicated we can uh we can bring the same kind of shit to you online that we would at a live show but yeah i i'm excited for live shows to come back i'd be full of it if I said that was not always at the forefront of my mind, but I'm not traveling. I'm not a, I'm not risking COVID for y'all. So <laughs> we'll, not, just, we'll all just wait together. I'm not, we'll I'm not together. risking COVID for any one of you motherfuckers. <laughs> not one of you. I love a lot of you, nope. but nope. I mean, I like part, my of, lung function. part of me was like, I, I could go to the, I could ask to help stuff. And I was like, you know what? Nah, nah, I'm staying home. I'm staying home, you know, in the face of everybody that says it's a hoax thing. No, I'm not playing that game. Not a game I want to play. Mm-hmm. Nope. Not worth it. So Game of Thrones and nobody wins. So, um, so what's next? Because I, I know there's not a lot you could say, and I know there's a lot of feelings out there after primetime shutdown. I'm just going to say the the, mm-hmm. do, the debacle, the fucking cluster fuckery of the end of fucking primetime. We can we can acknowledge it. There's no um there's there's no dodging that truth. I'm not you know, I'm not going to like bury anybody cuz I think some people are pretty good at burying themselves. But uh 
yeah, you know, um, yeah, no, continue, continue. I, 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 what I'm saying here is I am not offended by anything you say. So okay, feel good. free to. All I needed to hear. So here's my point. Um, <laughs> there is a lot of, there's a lot of bitterness and anger from me personally mm-hmm. for the end of that. Oh, I know. Um, I know. More so uh, things that I, they're part of it that I won't mention because I tried to help this person the best I can, best I could, considering what was going on, considering the uh, situation. And uh, I kind of got blown off. And that's uh, to say that there's no closure is mm-hmm. an understatement. Um, I'm not going to tell anybody else's side of it, but I, I, I kind of, I, I kind of done with wrestling after that. It's been so hard because it was in the middle of speaking out, which I'm going to rant on in a second since you're here. Um, not, okay. in the way, not in the way, not in the, you, you'll hear me. Out. I know. I got you. You know how I'm, I'm going with it. In the midst of all yeah. of that stuff where everybody was just tired of shit and people were just coming out and saying, you know what? This person's garbage. This person's also mm-hmm. garbage. I can't deal with it anymore, and I'm not hiding from this anymore. Mm-hmm. Such a blow after uh, Butch versus Gore that I, I mean, I still don't watch modern wrestling. There's a there's a hundred other reasons that Craig and I go over every week where I nitpick WWE because it's a bit just on a basic level a bit hard for me to watch right now. But I cannot tell you the five text messages that I got. And thank you for the one warning. I, I don't know how many people you texted that day, but the one you texted me, you were like, listen. And it just, it, it sucked the life out of me. It sucked the love out of me uh, for wrestling. Yeah, I guess, I guess for context, you know, there's, there's no use uh, speaking in code here because I'm sure you have a lot. You've got plenty of listeners who are completely unaware. But uh, no, I, I publicly outed my former, I, I can't really say business partner. I'm going to say boss because uh, I think that's a much more accurate way to tell the story. Um, I was being treated in a way that was emotionally harmful, in a way that was not appropriate. And um, I, I just couldn't, like, I could not wake up every day and check my phone and, and wait for the next thing I was going to be in trouble for, you know? Yeah. I, 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 cannot, I cannot fuck with that, no. I, um, I, that was just not a way I was interested in living anymore. And, you know, that was, that was something with the whole speaking out movement. We can, we can kind of pan the camera back a little bit because there, there were so many people. I'm not going to talk about me specifically, but there was, there was this tone of, well, why can't these things be dealt with in a, in a more quiet manner? Um, uh, there's, okay. there's no way with, with abusers, there's no way to do that because there's, a, there's, there's this intrinsic need among people who have gone through an abusive situation where there's, there's always a party that kind of wants to protect the abu- abuser regardless, you know? Um, and, and I don't mean protect in terms of like, I'm going to lie for you sort of way, but yeah, it's the same idea of you. Know, pe- people keep coming back. People keep coming back. Why is she going back to him? Um, obviously not, not speaking about me in, in that context, but yeah, sure. yeah there you, you, be, you, you've become so uh, closely trauma bonded with somebody where you're like, well, fuck, I, I don't want to be the one to blow their life up. But you, you, you hit ahead. Eventually, it's just, it's not feasible to live like that anymore. And um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the long and short of it. I was just like, I can't fucking do this. So 
I essentially blew up my own company. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, uh, and, you know, what a, what a small price to, to pay. Honestly. Um, I, I think that the good news coming out of this is I'm, I'm not shitting when I say I have never been better. Um, what happened at primetime was I had such an incredible work experience there in terms of really being able to hone my craft and what I can offer wrestling. And um, I was able to start perfecting some of those things. Like there, there were no missed opportunities here. I'm glad, I'm glad to have ever, ever started the company. I wear the t-shirt. I still have the t-shirt. I wear it. I don't oh, get I, like, I threw that sucker. I don't out. get email Fuck. about it. I fucking watched Plus, my, it's a night. It's a nice T-shirt. I washed my kitchen counters with it, and I got rid. I was done. Oh I was God. like, "Okay, we're good. That's that's full of COVID. See you later." So the the thing I'm gonna say that I I think is really important, not necessarily for you, but you know, just kind of for everybody, because yeah. this this always tends to happen, and it's always the promoter who's fucked up, right? I cannot wait until we get to a place as a scene where we stop associating wrestling promotions with just the promoter. Because you you were behind the scenes. You saw all the work that went into that. That's not a one-person job. That was a whole team of people. So, no, I think, uh, you know, throw, out the t throw the T-shirt away if that's what helps you cope. But there's uh, there's no – I don't think that there should be any shame in the work that you did, that any uh, of us did. I – not to take away – this is not about me. What happened is not about me. But I – to be uh, – just to shoot with you here, I had two feelings. Mm -hmm. And I'm just being honest. Please don't be offended by the first one. The You're first feeling, the, the first feeling I felt found uh, felt was, why didn't you tell me? Mm -hmm. Because I, I didn't gone, even tell my partner. I didn't I, tell. Him. I know it blows me because I would have not only would have <laughs> your partner gone after, but I would have gone after him because I was there <laughs> with him. You know, and well, I, you know, I mean, the the thing that keeps you that that kept anything from moving along for such a long time was this like. I didn't want to lose my company. And I, I knew that any confrontation, any standing my ground, any uh, plea for, for improvement on my end was probably just going to make things more unpleasant, not just for me, but, you know, just for everybody. Cause yeah. that's, that's how that behavior tends to manifest. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I, there was so much I kept my mouth shut about because I, I thought one, this is just the wrestling business. Um, This is something I mean, yeah, there's always the thing right. in, in, in my head where, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, there's also the thought process of like, there's people speaking out right now who have it so much worse and that'll shut you up real fast too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I understand. That'll keep you quiet. Um, Some people tried that when you said what you said. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Hey, I stayed with the, I, I worked this company for, for over a year and I put, I put everything into it. I put my whole heart into that. And um, yeah, there, there was there was a lot of stuff that I put up with that I put up with one because I was afraid to talk but two just because this was this was my in with being able to do what I wanted to do with wrestling and you know that there are not a lot of opportunities for people like me that pop up so yeah sometimes you know I say I say I got the table scraps I got pretty fucking good table scraps right I got the like filet mignon of, of table scraps because uh, we were lucky enough that it was an incredibly successful venture. This wasn't just like, you know, I, I ran some no no shade to uh, to high school gym folks, but you know, we we had a, a huge brewery show. We sold out every show. I um, you know, it, it might sound callous, but I, I've got a pretty fucking good resume by this point. So, 
No, it's not good. First of all, my my first response when somebody says, "I don't want to sound callous," it's fucking wrestling. Okay, <laughs> sound callous. The first next, the first person that would be offended by your callousness would be callous to you the next day. Who gives a shit? Oh my god. Um, I mean, I'm not wrong. <laughs> No, nope. I stopped caring. Yeah. I stopped trying to impress people about two years ago. If I didn't want to, I was like, I don't, I don't care anymore. Uh, um, Good for you, ma'am. The second feeling I thought when this comes to the t-shirt was, was angry and not angry mm-hmm. for, not angry oh, for yeah. me. I don't give a shit. I, I'll find something else to do. I'll play more video games and eat more shitty food on the weekend, whatever. <laughs> but after Butch versus Gore, that, that is what I can't even. I still can't. It was the, it was the highest high to the biggest bullshit. It was, it was the highest high to the lowest low. It really was. No, no pun intended. Low. Um, mm-hmm. Just right. after that, I cannot. For those listening, I cannot overemphasize, and it'll come off as tooting the own, own horn. I don't give a shit. I cannot Ooh. overemphasize the importance of that show. The importance of people I have met, feelings I've had since then. Lo, you know. Oh yeah. Um, how important that show was to so many people, and then it just—it's gone. It's gone. Mm-hmm. But there is a light at the end of the shit tunnel coming up. Someday Always. Soon. So Always. I promise you um, guys to hold on. Yeah, you know, running, running Butch versus Gore, having people come up to me who you know i everybody in this in this world has some sort of following whether it's very large or very small in wrestling twitter right we're whether we like it or not we're all playing the fucking influencer game that's sure. just what it is um having folks come up to me after the show who are not hardcore wrestling fans who are not on wrestling twitter and and come up and, and talk about how like yeah this was one of the very first spaces i've ever been in as an adult where I felt like I could actually be myself because believe it or not, there sure are a lot of closeted wrestling fans, um, yes. which yes. I think is yes. should be fairly obvious, but um, <laughs> that that's something that nobody can take away. You know, that, that was really fucking magic there. And if that's something that can be replicated and made bigger, then I'm going to do it. And I think Butch versus Gore also showed me and Billy that we're a hell of a team. So why not keep working together? Those shirts are great, though. The oh Billy my god, Bill right? Shirts. My like, my like former, my former look. I don't look anything like it anymore. May Day did such a great rendering of me at the time, so it's just like, it for me, it's such a fantastic like vintage look at myself. <laughs> I, I, I meant so that, many looks in wrestling. <laughs> that shirt is great too. I meant the uh, the newer one, just the word mark one. Oh, I, I love. That I've even met. I yeah, it was on Instagram. I was like, I really like that one. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, it, it might be the one where the front has the words and the back has the picture. Oh, you see, I haven't had, I had the back. Yeah, Billy does not fuck around. We got front and back. He's a he, she, she's a fancy girl. Uh, Harry no. in the chat says, Dan walked up to me once at a shoe, it, you mean show, stupid, and told me <laughs> I was his hero. Wrestling shows really do help you connect. No, I, to be mm-hmm. honest, you, I walked up to you at a show and I was probably sweating because it was 400 degrees <laughs> in the building. And, uh, and I said something about uh, go fuck yourself or something because uh, I hate you. Um, anyway. Yeah. 
That's my buddy, <laughs> Harry. That's what we do. Yeah. Um, so the last thing I wanted to bring up, I want to go full in on this because I want you to tell me I'm wrong and I want you to agree. I, I want you to go off about this for real. Uh, speaking out uh-huh. movement. Speaking out movement uh-huh. on wrestling. Uh, I, first of all, this, so we're not cutting any, so we're not having, casting any doubt, fully supported it. Just, just have wanted to put that out there. Um, I'm not talking about how the old way of wrestling used to be as far as trainee and uh, the consensual way that old train. I'm not talking about old school wrestling. I'm talking about shitty people in modern day mm-hmm. wrestling. <laughs> totally okay mm-hmm. with that. I, I need your perspective on this because I see certain things get tweeted and certain people getting booked. No, you meant shoe. Congratulations, Harry. You're an idiot. Um, I see certain people getting booked, and it makes me feel helpless like it didn't matter. Uh, certain people filing lawsuits that uh-huh. I, can't, I can't go further in onto it about. Twitter will still enable. I feel that the same shitty people are being enabled, and I, I feel like it was pointless while people are still dealing with their trauma and dealing with actual issues that came out of being abused uh, or being assaulted physically or otherwise, mentally, which is a thing. If you think that's not a thing, please get out of my room right now. You're an idiot. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think the pandemic probably softened the blow a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that Absolutely. makes me depressed. Absolutely. Um, I mean, the pandemic kind of prevented us from doing anything in the first place anyway. So, you know, we we became very numb to a lot of shit. So, once speaking out rolled around, um, you know, I, I kind of took it day by day because I was seeing friends of mine who were hurt. I was seeing friends of mine being the ones who were doing the hurting. And um, yeah, and you know, there were so many people after that who were like, fuck it, I'm so done with wrestling. And I understand that. But you already know this, you know, you, you're, you've, you've been around, you, you know how shit works. But the amount of folks who are like, seem to be under the impression that if they move into another form of entertainment, a different scene entirely, that those problems disappear. That's just everywhere, you know? Like, it's everywhere. It, I know that wrestling attracts its big brawny boys fighting and sweating all over each other, and there's blood sometimes, and it's so cool. But you're going to find the same kind of shitty manipulation in that scene as you will in, like, a I don't know, like a master, an MFA in poetry at any college you go to. Like, it does not, it does not matter. This, I've this seen tone of, of shittiness exists literally everywhere. And I think with wrestling, since a lot of people use that as their escape, I mean, that's why it was such a shock. Not a shock in terms of, oh, I didn't know, but a shock in terms of just the mass, the, the amount of blows that would happen in one day. Um, yeah, I mean, you 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 know comedy. Like, there's issue. There are so many fucking problems in comedy. Um, any, I want, I want that on record from Lolo, by oh. the way. Everybody heard her say okay. that. I heard Lolo say stand, that. Excuse me. <laughs> stand up to the worst. Oh, my God. <laughs> Craig knows. Craig knows the drama in stand-up and comedy and entertainment, don't you? Oh, Craig? my God. I, I do indeed. Perverse. It, see, but, but you know what? You know what? Craig has the advantage of being uh, uh, fifty and uh, has it. He has a longer fuse, but uh, 
<laughs> not to speak for Craig, but being a, a young black man who grew up in Philadelphia has a better bullshit meter and less of a tolerance than a white Italian shithead from South <laughs> Jersey would. That he doesn't really... It, I'm, I'm, I, the stuff that doesn't bother Craig and does bother me blows my mind. I'm just like, oh, okay. Well, I guess I shouldn't be mad about that if Craig's not mad about that. <laughs> but the other thing is, Dan, because our, our friendship is so unique, when I, I see it and hear it, especially in the last four years on social media, about uh, opinions that I may differ on, uh, like um, which lives matter and which, you know, that type of deal or, or protests or uh, for racial uh, equality, or athletes kneeling. And I hear, you know, people that are friends of mine that have given me nothing but praise and have applauded my efforts on our favorite local radio show. But at the same time, if I was the one that got shot seven times in the back, they would, I would wonder if they would find a way to blame me, like they're blaming Mm -hmm. other um, people that look like me over that. And I see these, their rants, and I, my, my first instinct is like, Lolo Dan is my can of mace, or that can spray. It's like I'll, I'll get, I'll get Dan on them because he'll be a lot more upset about these guys than you, I am. Uh, <laughs> you know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know you. I've had the conver- I've had the conversation, Dan. I, I gotta come clean. I've had a conversation with other people before where I was like, Do you think if like if we really needed it, do you think Dan could kill a guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and, and it's and it right there, Lola, because the first thing, uh, Dan's Italian, so I know he knows somebody, you know? I cannot confirm. I, uh, shoot, I cannot confirm nor deny. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, with, my God. Uh, stop, stop feeding the ego, though. Uh, I do want to share something from Harry, which actually made me laugh, and I didn't want to laugh over a serious moment. Then we'll get right back to it, because I have a reply for you, uh, Craig, what you just said. Dan may not have invented sit-down comedy, but he certainly tries. <laughs> All right, Harry, I'll give you that one. Uh, Craig, it's, it, it occurred to me when you said that, um, Lolo, this is also something I see um, in your interactions online sometimes. I, I've, uh, believe it or not, just to respond to what you both just said, believe it or not, there are times where I have sat back and folded my hands and watched. Just to see. There, you're like, yeah, there were four times I did that, okay? Listen. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's been like two <laughs> times I've done that. All seven times. <laughs> all, all three and a half. I would bow, but I don't want to. Harry, oh it was one joke. Calm down. No, there's been a couple times. And I will say this, since the pandemic's increased, because I give less of a shit what people say. Like, honestly, there's almost been a complete transition from where I was on social media in March 13th to now, where I'm just like, I don't give it. I don't care what a third party thinks about this thing anymore. <laughs> I just don't care. You have, ne- you have never cared, though. You've always been so good about just laying it the fuck out there. Well, I, I don't know. I'm trying to imagine what you look like holding back, because I cannot I, I cannot imagine it. <laughs> I smoke a l- Never mind. I can't say that. I forgot. I'm Babe, you... You know, yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, and Wrestling. still, you know, I'm <laughs> yeah. always like, what kind? Of, I'm gonna but, change. Yeah, I should get off that topic. Cause. I, no, no, no. I, no, I don't give a shit. I've seen people, Craig, you first. I've seen people that have been friends with you because the press has seen for years. Mm-hmm. When you bring up Black Lives Matter, or you bring up the protests, or or just not even the Black Lives Matter group, just 
the just sharing your experience as a black kid growing up in the city and going to a predominantly white, an all white school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember this. I can't say the words, but I remember watching this conversation <laughs> and he didn't say the N word flat out, but he said a variation of it. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking, you want to try that again, son? And his <laughs> reply was saying it again. What's the problem? <laughs> And I said, hey, listen, you and I would like to have a little chat about this. You don't know Craig. You're just on the, I'm like, no, I know Craig personally. And yeah. you're crossing the line and he's not going to say anything. I'm going to say something. And that, and the next day he disappeared. Yeah. There has been time, Lo has been dealing with the, uh, as she builds her house and her couch next uh, over the phone. Uh, there's mm-hmm. been, there's been situations where I've sat there and like, you know what? Lolo is an adult, but I can't sit back and let, <laughs> let this go when I know I have to look Lolo in the eyes next time I see them and say, what? I, I don't care. Where as, I, as if I, as if whenever I get into some shit online, the first thing I do, I open up your profile and I'm looking, I'm like, Dan, better say something. <laughs> you better say something. I'm not going to be his friend again unless he gets really into this. Yeah, but. Okay. Uh, Harry, Harry, I'll reply to the juice box comment at the uh, second half of the show, so stay up. I know you're tired, but uh, stay on a little longer. Um, So where do we go next with wrestling? I mean, to to add what you're saying... There is so much to be done. There is so much good stuff to be done. There there is so much bad stuff that has happened that there are... I just dropped my microphone. She just threw Um, us on the floor. There are... Endless possibilities for how things can be better. That's you know, it's I hate to be Pollyanna, but you know, there there is literally no way but up. We have bottomed out so have many we, times. Like, have we bottomed out? The, I'm worried that not enough people are or I'm saying the word adhering to the speaking out thing that we haven't bottomed out. Well, no, I don't mean in terms of like the well. I mean things get think, things kept getting and sometimes keep getting worse and worse hit it not bottom hitting a bottom you know just being like okay things cannot possibly get get any worse than this and then guess what they do i just i I, i've been trying to i set a date for myself and this is more of a personal date i have not watched wrestling other than youtube clips in we're going on two months now uh as far as i've been following a lot if it's not live and it's not, it's, I, I don't really care for a lot of wrestling during the pandemic. Well, There's that's something it. missing for yeah. me. There's no, no you're, crowd. There's no love. I don't care. Absolutely. I can't even argue with that because I completely understand it. The thing is with me, and the, I was having the same conversation on the hockey podcast and uh, Stadium Journey, where people were saying, well, the sound doesn't sound the same. And the, the announcing is, I'm like, I usually watch this stuff on mute unless there's a promo being cut anyway. Mm. Um because I can't when I'm watching wrestling, even if I'm going back to the WWE network and watching, I'm on 1992 right now going back chronologically, I'm doing four other things. I'm either editing a video, reading other articles and watching at the same time. You'd be surprised. That's I concentrate more when I'm doing three other, other things, which was hard yeah, to do ADHD. Yes. You know how hard, you know, how, <laughs> Yeah, you know how hard it was to tell teachers in school, no, I am paying attention. I can't sit here 
and keep still, I'm listening to you. And if I knew how to articulate then, how to Mm -hmm. articulate now to my teachers that I was picking up more by taking notes and doodling and I wasn't bothering anybody else. I was just doing other things on my notebook while I was listening to them intently Mm -hmm. versus sitting there, staring at them with my hands at my side, watching every, watching their mouth move and completely not paying attention to a word they said. Like falling asleep. Yeah. I can't do it. Um, I'm entirely with you. So, but so I'll watch that and I don't listen until I see a microphone go up to a wrestler's mouth. I won't listen to the I, I won't listen to the show. So for me, in that way, I have no argument or d- debate. So if it's missing something, it's the same for me. However, on the WWE alone, and I'm mm-hmm. going to keep bitching about this until people agree with me. This is not MTV nine, uh, 1999 uh, 2001. Hold your fucking camera still, you assholes! <laughs> Did, who? This is a supposed, All right, Dan, Dan's on one. Here we go. This is supposedly a billion-dollar company. Craig, get in on this too, please. This right is here. supposedly a billion-dollar fucking company that thinks that – who thinks that looks good? Uh, my example, low. I think I told Craig this, but if not here, he's on the phone anyway. Um, I watched – what was the last show? Not Hell in the Cell. Clash of Champions. Clash of Champions. And it was when Big Show came out to interrupt the Randy Orton match – and in the two minutes that I watched, I counted over 35 camera cuts and not one steady cam. That pisses me off. You're not Michael Bay. I don't, I can't, I, I have no interest in watching that product. But the point was, as I set a date low, this Wednesday, Halloween Havoc, the show that, the first ever live show I ever went to when I was six years old is WCW Halloween Havoc. They're bringing it back. I will sit there and watch and see if I get back into weekly wrestling. The one caveat is I will never watch Impact. I was giving Impact a chance because Jordan Grace and their women's division is fantastic. There's a couple other wrestlers. uh, Eric Young, I'm a mark for. But the fact that they still use the Daphne thing uh, as footage and Sammy Callahan has a job, I was like, well, I never need to watch that live. We're good. (laughs) I'll be bitter about that until the day I die. Or until I meet him and punch him in the face. Or until the day he dies. Oh, my God. Punching would be cool. I I would like to see punching. I don't want to steal a line from... I should not encourage that. No, 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 don't do that. I don't want to steal a line from uh, Jim Cucknett. But... (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, Craig. I just like that. I like that name. Listen, he admitted that he was having other people have sex with his wife. He wouldn't be offended by Cucknett. Not that I would care. Uh, my point I mean, is, it's a, it's a technical term. It's yeah. a very technical term. Uh, it's a technical term. I, hey, I'm king friendly. Go for him, I guess. I guess. Uh, whatever. What? Ew. Whatever. Ew. Anyway. Um, that keeps them busy. I'm not a badass by any stretch of the imagination, but I would risk getting my ass kicked to just punch that trash bag in, in the face <laughs> so one. much. Just once. <laughs> just one time. And I'm leaving that in. Because I don't care. Yeah. Well, I, I would say he's never going to hear it, but knowing his little squad of uh, of pick me daddies. Go ahead. Go ahead. And the one guy, and I have respect for the guy. I, I don't hate the person. The one guy we got mentioned on another show once, mentioning 
Sammy, uh, the Sammy deal. And they, in the same sentence where they brought it up, they immediately dismissed it because they liked his wrestling. And that's when I stopped. Caring. Oh yeah, of course. Wrestling's what's important here. Yeah. That's what, and that's when I stopped caring. And that's why I'm worried about the, uh, the speaking out movement, not mattering. I mean, look at, look at Joseph Meehan. <laughs> mm. It's Joey Ryan, by the way, Craig. I know. Uh, okay. I, I, I love that. His, 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 his Jesus, his secular name. His government name. Uh, I just like his government name. <laughs> I just, I always goes back to the Dennis Leary bit about finding Jesus and being, okay, sorry. I fucked up. And it's okay now. No. <laughs> That's a question I want to ask you, Lo. I want you to be, uh, I don't want to be honest. You're always honest. Are you, you going to ask me if I believe in God? No, no. Oh well, well oh, somebody about the yeah, yeah well somebody about the yeah. Craig, this is a real, this is a raw, real show. Okay, we don't fuck around here. Is okay. there uh-huh. an acceptance to people that actually put the effort into be better? I am a very big believer in restorative justice. Um, there are. Oh man, I hope I don't get like I, I don't get fucked for this. Uh there there are there's so much variation in ways that people can cause harm to each other. Um there's not a tier system, but there there are people who are abusive, there are people who are bullies, there are people who are in a conflict with you and neither of you you handled yourselves well at all. Um there there are just so many layers to this that I don't think that there I I cannot look at speaking out. And, and see it as this, this one big cohesive thing. Because there was so much variation. There, there were allegations of everything from sexual assault to he had a wife and slept with me. Those are two different things. Yes, those are very, very much. Um, Absolutely. And I'm yep. not speaking to anything specifically in either of those, so don't get me wrong there. Yep. Um, but just to kind of display the, the spectrum of what people were talking about, um, there, there was just a lot of variation. And... Yeah, I'm circling back to, I, I do believe in restorative justice. I think that in so many instances, if, if someone has caused harm in the community that you are participating in, and you say, fuck that person, they're out, they're cut off, I'm done forever, goodbye. They're more than likely just going to move to another group of people and start solving, er, and start not solving, and start causing the exact same issues. So I'm a believer in restorative justice as a as, as a, a call for safety for our entire community. Um, there are also, you know, there are so many variations in terms of how perpetrators are handled based on their gender, based on their race, based on their sexuality. Um, and there, there are instances where I'm just like, I don't know, you guys are going a lot harder against, we'll say, the black guy than the white guy in this situation. Um, and that's really frustrating, too. There's just a lot of a, a broad, broad strokes made, made throughout this, this whole movement on the, uh, in the Twitterverse, at least. I believe in accountability. I think accountability is a little bit more than just like, hey, I'm coming clean about this. I admitted this happened, and I'm sorry. I think accountability is real work. Um, I'll, I'm, I'll speak very vaguely here because this is not about anybody in the wrestling community, but when I, when I cut off a, a really, uh, a really bad abusive relationship that I had grown up with, I laid out 
these are the terms for which you can, this is how you can be accountable. Can you provide me with evidence that you're going to therapy? Can you read this fucking book that might tell you how just fucked up you are? Like, accountability is not just admitting your wrongdoing. It's actually doing some stuff afterwards. And yeah, I think if you go through an accountability process that is victim-centered, if you're talking to the, the victim, to the survivor about what they have, what, what their vision of accountability is, and they want to have some sort of like vague communication by proxy with their abuser to try to make the scene a little bit better, then I think that we should be, we, we should give all the resources possible to those, to those kinds of cases. But we both know that is just, that is not how the internet works. That is not how Twitter works. And I can't even critique it too much because there is so much rage and there's so much pain that is extremely valid and very legitimate. Um, but yeah, there, there were plenty of instances in which I was like, huh, I, I see a missed opportunity here um, for actual community healing. Because I think, I, I, I always worry about casting people out. And again, I don't want to get twisted. I'm not talking about people who like committed actual crime who are yeah. in danger exactly <laughs> the people who really genuinely seek out these kinds of actions as opposed to really bad judgment calls and i'm, I'm never going to say anything's just a bad judgment call of course there's so many layers to that but um yeah there there are people who are who are dangerous and who are predators and there are people who are probably not actually that dangerous um but still caused harm and should still be held accountable for it so that's a whole lot of words to say, yeah, I absolutely do think that you you can change, but that also comes with losing opportunities. I'm not saying if you're a wrestler and you did something and you went through this process with the person that you harmed and everybody feels a little bit better, I'm not saying um, disappear, delete your account, go dark, move to where the fuck ever, but maybe don't take bookings maybe don't take opportunities because think about someone someone you might have harmed who would have had an opportunity had you not caused them any kind of unnecessary trauma does that does that make sense yeah no it makes perfect yeah. sense i no, absolutely I, I think about i think about those instances a lot where you have people in positions of power who maybe came on to someone who works under them and i'm not even talking about like oh they exposed themselves but like made a weird comment while they were drinking and you know i'd love to take you out on a date or something made this person really feel really bad and really uncomfortable um obviously that that person in power should not go to jail or get beat up or anything but he should not be in charge of things he should not be running any sh you know he should I, I say run the show and i'm speaking very broadly they're not just wrestling um but yeah you 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 cause someone a lot of pain and a lot of anxiety because you were in a position of power over them that you abused and now they're probably missing out not probably they often are missing out on opportunities because of that so yes i think that you can change but you also need to really be able to read the room and be like am i necessary in this space as a worker you know Interesting. um Interesting. i'll be honest my the the person i outed Sure. If he, if, if I was running a show and he wanted to come to the show and be, you know, behave, there was no like shit going on. Yeah, absolutely. Of course that's, that's fine with me because that's uh, not to be like, Oh, that's just the kind of person I am. But yeah, that's, that's just the kind of person I am. But um, oh, that was, that was going to be my next question in the, in the last couple of years, 
DC Metro Wrestling has had a great high and a great low follow right after it. Mm-hmm. Are those redeemable situations? I'm asking um, for I me. I think that there were opportunities in all cases that, because Lord knows we're not talking about one thing. My God, no, there's no. so much that has happened. Nope. There were so many, there were a lot of missed opportunities for actual, um, for actual effort and actual accountability. And at the end of the day, it is up to the person who caused the harm in the first place to decide whether or not they, they want to do that. You know, um, it's, it's up to them whether or not they, they decide to take the, not the olive branch, but the hand of help, because I don't think that there are a lot of situations in which a perpetrator is left completely hung out to dry, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, I think yeah. that there were opportunities for redemption that got, that have been squandered. And uh, I don't know, ask me again in a year. We'll see how I feel. But as for right now, I'm not, I'm not, you had your chance and you blew it, but I'm more like you had your chance and you didn't take it. So there must be a reason for that. I, on a personal level, I, I tried and I stayed in touch and I honestly thought, I really thought I wasn't going to, you can ask a question. Go ahead in the chat. Go for it. I'm monitoring three different chat rooms right now. So bear with me guys. Um, we're multi streaming on, uh, I said multi stream. We're simulcasting on Twitter and on Facebook and on Twitch just for the podcast. So I have three different chat rooms I'm looking at at any time. Um, I never thought that I would get the cold shoulder. And I found out that I just another piece to a puzzle that was being played. So um, people, people who are hurting hurt other people. And I know that's something that we heard a lot, probably from our parents or guardians growing up when we were getting picked on by somebody. You know, oh, the bully just hates himself, and that's why he's bullying you. Um, and you know, as as a kid, I was just like, no, fuck that. But no, as as an adult, I can reflect and say, man, it is. Uh, it's objectively sad that this kind of shit happens. Yeah. You know. Um, and there, there's only so much you can do. You're. It's not your job to. It's not your job or anybody else's to be a people fixer. Uh, can you rephrase that question? I don't quite understand. I'll say this out loud. Maybe Lowell will get it. Why can't someone else mm-hmm. do it and learn from the mistakes that has happened instead of just kind of throwing it all the way? Well, I think that's what we nothing, were. Kind of- so nothing is, nothing is being thrown away. Actually. Um, there is, there is such a, and Dan, I'm, I really am excited about all this because there, <laughs> there have been so many great people that I've met and been able to really actually start the the building blocks to collaborate with since leaving the company because now I, I have the freedom to do that um yeah. there are really great things happening at, at fight club which uh is dc based oh. black owned oh, yeah. super queer queer friendly pro trans pro queer pro everybody like just really really fucking solid booking great matches getting great people in so there there still is a scene um when it comes to Primetime Pro specifically, um, in D.C., this shit is expensive. I yeah, yeah. would need, and I'm not exaggerating here, to comfortably be able to be like, I'm going to run a really good show from scratch. I'd need like 15 grand to start. Yeah. Just, there's licensing. just as there a is basis, folks. Exactly. And once you get going, it gets slightly cheaper from there. But um, 
no, these, these shows cost thousands of dollars. And you might think that that gets made up in ticket sales, but um, nope. <laughs> you're, you're lucky if you break even. Just to, just to reference that other situation, I saw a lot of things being on thrown on Twitter uh, from other wrestlers, surprisingly, and promoters that say that, well, they should have just paid anyway. It's like, I, I, I had the money. You had the money where you were. Mm-hmm. Didn't have and the money where we there's were. Also, there's also the question of, because I, I have had a lot of really, really wonderful people be like hey well you know why you you and billy just like found an entire whole company from scratch there's a there's a high barrier to entry through with with wrestling and you know we all know that the the folks who tend to benefit from that barrier of entry tend to be male tend to be white tend to not necessarily be rich by any means but you know have the means to start out with and um definitely not rich and very much heterosexual so i I don't know. There have been opportunities I've missed out on in terms of like making my way forward in the world as a queer person where there, I have a lot of catching up to do, not in terms of learning anything, but in terms of just like finding my fucking footing. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's my personal reason for not just being like, yeah, let's, let's buy out the company and do the thing. Um, but there, there is also a lot that I cannot talk about. That is, is well, all very, very good. Very fun very exciting news um what is there to buy out a name a ring never mind. not, not a ask. ring but you know i'll ask you there's, off there's always there's always there's always fucking something there's always it fucking can't something. be worth anything uh, never mind never mind. never mind uh don't lower... get on a don't get on a thing it's just too fucking expensive no, That's no, long I, and short of it yeah yeah i'm not getting on a thing i i didn't i i was trying to um i i agree with Obviously, factually, I agree with you on the uh, not expense uh, the expense thing, but I was on that one level. I was like, "Wait, what? Never mind. I'll ask it off air." Uh, Lo, <laughs> it is time to. It's the final rundown. Uh, anything you want to say before we get off the air? This is time to do it. And if you've mentioned everything you wanted to, or if I forgot to bring anything up, please do. No, um, I'm just. I'm really excited for Paris is bumping to premiere. Uh. It's something I, you know, I'm in Chicago. I was not present for the filming, uh, which which was a bummer since I'm I'm assisting Billy in in production. But um, I think it is going to take a lot of the momentum that we built with Butch versus Gore. And we're in the middle of a pandemic. We can't go to live shows. We can't have the giant party that we had before. But we're gonna give you something pretty fucking good. Oh, I've I've. It's a, I, I can't even say it's a consolation prize. This would be something that I think would be enjoyable and fun and exciting even if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic it's it's just a gosh i mean billy's the brain of billy dixon is um something i will always be slightly envious of and always very happy that i work so closely near i purposely have told those involved i don't want to know uh i sponsored and that's all. I was like, I don't care. I just want to see the show. I don't. I don't want to know anything ahead of time. I want to be completely surprised. And so I'm it's going. It's going to be great. And um, you know, in terms of in terms of future news, I know we've we've done the tiniest bit of teasing, but there, it's a Marvel movie. There's a post credits scene. So when the show's over on Thursday, don't turn off IW TV. Just keep watching. Just, just see. Just see what happens. Oh my god. 
Oh my God. I know. I know. Just see. Just see. With that being said, where can people follow you on Twitter or all social media? <laughs> Let me rephrase that. Where at... do you want people to follow you on social media? <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Bud Lights, spelt like Bud Lights, Lime, spelt like Lime, Bud Light Lime, Core. Spelt like the word core. Bud Light Lime Core. It's the uh, it's it's a way of living. It's absolutely one of my favorite <laughs> screens. It's so <laughs> fucking stupid. And my 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 um my all my like super secret account. It's not even secret. It's just the one that I have like ten people following me on that I used to like fucking post a selfie before I bring it to the mainstream. Is a Budweiser gay? And <laughs> I I think I. I think I might just move. I think I think I might just like move that over to the Bud Light Lime Core brand when the time is right. Because I cannot believe I was able to get that username that nobody had taken Budweiser Gay. Because I think uh, everyone oh already my. took everyone took Schlitz Gay first. <laughs> thanks to, oh thanks my god! Yeah, thanks man. to Chris Farley. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so what a fucking good! Such a, a such a beautiful beautiful man. What a what a reference! What a reference! Uh, Lo, I Lolo, I. I'm honored and very thankful that you came on the show and I will definitely, it's not going to be that first week after um, Paris is bumping because we have a special 500th episode, 500 episodes and since 2012. And I have not lost all my hair yet, which is what I'm going for. Um, Damn dude. Yeah. (laughs) It's coming. You're, uh, You're a warrior. I think the week after that, I'm definitely going to reach out to you and Billy and get you guys back on because, well, I don't think I'll be able to contain myself after the uh, post-credit scene, as they say. I know. There's there's so much good shit to talk about. So much. I'm very happy. I, um, you know, I, I, I don't give things away, but uh, I think that we, we have an opportunity now to do what we really just wanted to do from the start, and nobody's in our way. Greetings. Salutations, and thank you again for joining us once again here on HIAC Talk Radio, VOC Nation, and the greatest segment known to man, um, the one where we transcend space and time and go back to an era where there was wrestling in all 50 states packed with folks from all different races, creeds, and colors, and genders back when titles were called belts, back when medical facilities were called hospitals, and back when sports entertainment was professional wrestling. This is The Wrestling Historian. Now, Dan, this week in wrestling, this is going to be the first week, meaning it's gonna, it's, we're going to celebrate a week of firsts. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I understand. Yeah. Thank you. It's yes. a week of firsts. And we're going to, uh, we lost a legend in professional wrestling who's not a household name, but still very important to professional wrestling. So I'll pay tribute to him at the end of our, this edition of the Wrestling Historian. Uh, But we're going to start off uh, October 15th, 1963, Dan, in Tampa, Florida, or Bobo, Brazil defeated a wrestler named Tim Anderson. Now, why was this match Uh-oh. so special in Tampa, Florida? Here's the hook. <laughs> this was the first match ever in Tampa involving two black wrestlers. 
1963? 1963. Now, Bobo Brazil, who we've known and we've discussed on this very podcast many times, his history, not just as a black wrestler, but in professional wrestling history. This was a man a year earlier, 1962, that I've mentioned on uh, this on Wrestling Historian. He actually won the NWA Heavyweight Championship from Buddy Rogers. It was disallowed. Buddy Rogers got hurt, and um, Bobo wouldn't refuse the title until Rogers was healthy. But to many organizations, Bobo Brazil was recognized as the NWA Heavyweight Champion. That was in sixty. That was a year prior. Yet in 1963, when he wrestled Tim Anderson in Tampa, Florida, that was the first time in Tampa, Florida, that a black man wrestled another black man. Huh. 1963. Now, just to just to speak on this and our previous episode with Low Low, and I well, I can't talk today. Our previous episode with Low Low and mm-hmm. things that you and I talked about. Mm-hmm. We, you wonder why people have had enough in the world mm-hmm. and just want to get on with their fucking lives and be tweet, treated like an adult. 1963 is the first time we had a match between two African Americans in goddamn Florida. Yep. God damn it, white people. What do you mean, white people? Well, who else you blame? <laughs> well, we weren't in charge, so Jesus. Uh, yeah, and this will come, and uh, this is going to be a callback. So remember this 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 period in history, okay. 15, 1963, because we're going to do a callback later on at the end of this particular wrestling historian oh edition. <laughs> uh, October sixteenth, nineteen eighty-seven. A lot more progressive. Uh, oh, the <laughs> the sheep herders. Oh, that's uh, progressive for you. Butch and Luke, well, they defeated the Lightning Express, Dan, of uh, Brad Armstrong and Tim Horner uh, for the UWF Tag Team Championship. Unfortunately, a little bit after that, the UWF would be absorbed by the NWA, and Luke and Butch would then sign with the WWF, becoming the the tag team I hate the most, uh, that would be the Bushwhackers. So they would be the last ever tag team champion, not in UWF, but in Mid-South history. A Mid-South history of tag team champions that included the Freebirds, uh, the Samoans, Andre the Giant and Dusty Rhodes, uh, Ted DiBiase and Steve Dr. Death Williams, uh, a whole host of um, the the Blade Runners, uh, a whole host of future Hall of Famers that would hold the tag team championship. <laughs> who's who, man? Yes, but the Sheep Herders, Butch and Luke, would be the last team to ever hold this tag team title uh, before it would be absorbed by the NWA and before Luke and Butch would go to the WWF for a much lighter schedule and uh, less work on their uh, bodies, and a lot more comedy. Uh, a year later, in 1988, in, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Connecticut, Art of Connecticut, uh, Ted DiBiase actually won the King of the Ring. This was when the, uh, 
the World Wrestling Federation to hold their annual King of the Ring tournament. This before it became a pay-per-view, before it became a uh, a TV match, they would have it in uh, uh, my apologies, in Springfield, Massachusetts, and had a tournament. And the uh, the finals, uh, Ted DiBiase would defeat Ron Bass. And then semifinals and the other semifinal match, Randy Savage would defeat Terry Taylor. And in the finals, Ted DiBiase would pin Randy Savage. That would be the only time Ted DiBiase would ever beat Randy Savage while they were both in the WWF. And Randy Savage was the WWF heavyweight champion at the time. Wow. So not only was he the WWF heavyweight champion, but he entered within the King of the Ring, but lost in the finals to Ted DiBiase. So that will be the first time and only time that Ted DiBiase would ever pin Randy Savage, would ever pin the world champion while he was in the WWF. Count me as one of the many people that thought Ted DiBiase should have had at least a run as a WWF heavyweight champion since he was the number one heel in all professional wrestling. Yeah, right. <laughs> I still believe uh, had they worked it properly, the – the Andre the Giant win over Hulk Hogan with the dueling Hebner referees and the title being given to Ted DiBiase. And then we mentioned that he defended it a couple of times, one of them being right here in Philadelphia. But had they kept the belt on DiBiase, say, at least a month or two, they could have got so much more out of that before eventually stripping him of the title. And obviously they had big plans for Savage strip DiBiase of the belt, have the tournament, Savage wins, you know, and he's champion for another year. I thought if they just give it, let DiBiase go for a while with it, they they would not have seen a drop in business at all. Because no, when he came to the spectrum no with the belt and people hadn't seen, who people that missed the that, that main event, primetime match, uh, they had no idea when he was introduced as champion. I had never heard it that loud in the spectrum. People were seeing it for the first time. Two days after that, um, Ted DiBiase and, and um, Andre went up against Taxaw Duggan and Hulk Hogan. And when Andre and Ted came out first and Ted with the belt, people were genuinely shocked. And uh, it worked. But uh, Ted DiBiase, uh, October 16th, pinned Randy Savage the WWF heavyweight champion, Randy Savage, to win the King of the Ring. So Ted DiBiase, the former King of the Ring, despite, you know, other people getting and being acclaimed, but Ted DiBiase, million-dollar man with a one-point million-dollar king. How? How How do you F that? How do you drop the ball? Well, the other things we discussed this week, I can absolutely understand. Go ahead, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> I made a short list uh, way back of, of wrestlers that should have gotten a run, at least one run with the belt, and I was put Piper and DiBiase in my top that's five. The first word, that's the first person I just thought of when you said yeah. list, who would you do? Piper. And it's the first word, first person that comes to mind. And it still baffles me he never was. It's... You know, um, if either if he or Hogan had any type of uh, less of an ego, and even if it was being booked in this millennium, uh, Piper would have gotten the belt from Hogan in January. And for WrestleMania, forget about Madison Square Garden. Piper versus Hogan with Piper's champion. You could have sold out Yankee Stadium. Especially yeah. Especially in 1985. Yeah. Instead, they have a terrible match at Halloween Havoc 97. Yeah. So. 
<laughs> things have turned. Uh, this brings us to today in professional wrestling history, Dan, October 21st, uh, 1972. Uh, and a couple wrestling historians back, I mentioned that Giant Baba and Antonio Noki both made their wrestling debuts on the same card at the same time. And Giant Baba, of course, Antonio Noki would go on to found New Japan Wrestling, and Giant Baba would go on to uh, uh, found All Japan. Well, on this date, uh, October 21st, 1972, All Japan, headed by Giant Baba, held its first show ever at a place called the Mashita City Gym in Tokyo, Japan. And it's where Giant Baba teamed up with someone named Thunder Sugiyama. Uh-oh. And they went up against the team, Dan, of mm -hmm. Bruno Sammartino and Terry Funk. It was maybe the first, last, and only time they teamed together. What? And this is when Pedro was the WWE champion, so Bruno wasn't champion. But at the very first All Japan show, Put on by Giant Baba, Giant Baba and Thunder Sugiyama teamed up to face Bruno Sammartino and Terry Funk. And Bruno and Terry won in the two out of three falls match in the very first card held by All Japan. October 21st, 1972. Blowing my and mind tonight. <laughs> oh, no idea that was a team, buddy. Yeah, Bruno and Terry. A blonde, a blonde Terry Funk. Uh, a, a blonde Terry Funk. Russell says that um, just real quick back on the uh, people who weren't champions, it should have been mm -hmm. uh, his first two are Piper, uh, Piper and Hall. Uh, Scott Hall. That's Scott. Scott in his prime. Uh, Scott in his razor yeah. early nine uh, early NWO prime. I'm sure. I uh, could. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I I could and could not have seen that, uh, because with with Scott Hall is is matching with Shawn Michaels proved that he can wrestle against anybody, he can yeah. take on any style, but because but then you you put him at Shane Douglas, and because he didn't like Shane Douglas, their matches stung. So while Scott Hall could work with anybody, Scott Hall didn't always want to work with anybody. That's true. So that's why I, I put the thing on him being champion. Yes, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Because if you can't that. have a good match with Shane Douglas in in 1991, then really, what is you know? How could you? How could you not? But any, but but that's his list. I appreciate it. Um, but uh, where where was I? Yes. Uh, sorry. Bruno and Terry Funk first, last, and maybe the only time they ever teamed together at the very first card in all Japan wrestling history. Uh, that same date today, October 21st, 1977, Ricky Steamboat defeated Ric Flair for his first United States Championship. Now, earlier that year, Steamboat had defeated Flair for his first title ever, the Mid-Atlantic TV Championship. And that's what started, and people that was Steamboat's first title and like his coming out party. And after that, Flair, of course, rose up and he became United States champion. But when Ricky Steamboat defeated Ric Flair for the United States championship, which is a big step up from the Mid-Atlantic TV title, that people consider to be Ricky Steamboat's coming out party. That made wow. him a legitimate big deal. 
not only was that his first United States championship by defeating Ric Flair, but that would start their eventual 18-year rivalry that still remains unmatched in terms of wrestling quality, uh, wrestling psychology, just wrestling endurance. Uh, you, Flair has one number, but Steamboat has another, but the minimum is 55 straight one-hour draws that they did in one stretch of time in the 70s. And the amount of matches are a number in the thousands, That the, the, the number of times they wrestled with each other. Flair Steamboat is still my, my number in terms of feuds. Uh, it's Flair Steamboat, Rock and Roll, Midnight Express, and that's it. And I think, as you pointed out, between Ricky and Flair is uh, never did you see the same match twice. Never. And those two knew each other so well and had so many matches with each other that, you know, we we talk – I'm going to talk briefly about today's product, Dan, and and there's a reason why you and many thousands of other people don't watch it. There's a reason why today's wrestling doesn't even crack a million viewers now because – you do have a match it's like this guy's got to do a dive and then we have to do another dive and that guy has to do a dive and then we have to go through and the table the chair ricky steamboat or rick flair can have a one-hour match without leaving the ring at all without involving one chair one dive one maybe a jump off the top rope from steamboat only for a flying chop or a flying body press but at the end of the match 60-minute draw, you have a standing ovation, and both guys weren't tired. Um, you can I, you, that kind of match can't happen anymore. You know, it, I, it, I, you mentioned that, and and I and I immediately get defensive about wrestling, but here's here's how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Just to add to what you're saying, because I'm not disagreeing mm-hmm. with you, mm-hmm. because people, uh, my first instinct is to defend it, but then at the same time, I'm like, I'm not watching it. Yeah, but I couldn't tell you why, other than I could tell you that the production yeah. in the WWE itself bothers me. Mm-hmm. It chaps my ass. You heard how I was yeah. on the other so with Lolo. Mm-hmm. It chaps my ass. I it it looks terrible. Mm-hmm. At the same time. We talk about that type of wrestling and people not wanting to watch it. At the same time, I feel it works on the indie circuit. Mm-hmm. Now, one would argue the Cornette argument that well, people don't go to indie wrestling. We're talking about when it's there's not a pandemic, folks. Right. Yes. Uh, and sure, no problem. But I'm saying, as far as I'm concerned, I can see that match at a, in an indie wrestling show and go. Fuck yes, I I'm fulfilled. Let's go. Then I sit there at my house and watch it. I'm too old. <laughs> like, I don't I don't. So I, I can't defend it because I don't. I well then why do you watch? I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. We'll find out when Halloween Havoc happens. And once we get, what's yeah. the changes to the show that to this show happen that are going to happen? Mm-hmm. Maybe more wrestling. Maybe we'll all have more to talk about. I don't know. We'll find out. We will find out. And you mentioned uh, with watching a certain wrestling uh, program these days, uh, you saw so many different edits. With a Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat match, especially the ones you can find on YouTube, and it's a real crying shame that the a, a great 
quality matches of Flair and Steamboat were kind of like Will Chamberlain. Unless you were there, you didn't, you couldn't see the greatness. You could hear about it, but unless sure. you were there, and those matches weren't always taped. But the ones that were a hard camera in the on the uh, on the crowd side, and one camera captured the whole match. Yeah, and that was it. You didn't. There was no quick cuts, and there was no. Just the guy following yeah. if they went to the edges of the shot. Just yeah, or is. if they went outside the ring, they panned back. And, but uh, when they were in the ring, they were right there. Imagine that. Yeah. and uh, But Flair and Steamboat could could tell a story like no two other wrestlers have before or since. But Ricky Steamboat defeating Ric Flair for his first United States championship. And that was uh, Ricky Steamboat's uh, coming out party. Six years later, six years to the day. On the same day today, October 21st, 1983, the, the original Briscoes, Jack and Jerry, <laughs> defeated Ricky Steamboat, the aforementioned Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood, for, their, for the NWA tag team title. Wow. This was uh, a, uh, a feud that started that summer, and the tag team matches between the Briscoes and Steamboat and Youngblood, like Midnight and the Rock and Roll Express that would come two years later, these would be the best tag team matches anyone had ever seen. Uh, this would be the last time the Briscoes would hold the NWA tag team title, but this would set up their rematch at Starcade later on that year of that year, 1983. Wow. But yes, the Briscoes had defeated Steamboat and Youngblood today in 1983 in Richmond, Virginia for the NWA tag team title. Richmond, Virginia. Richmond, Virginia. Now, you remember, Dan, I said uh, the beginning oh, today was the All Japan's first ever show? Yeah. Well, 1985 was All Japan's 13th anniversary show. <laughs> now, they'd gone from the – Yeah, the, they had gone from the Machida City Gym in Tokyo to Sumo Hall in Tokyo for their 13th anniversary show. And you remember the first match, the first main event was Baba and Thunders. Yeah, a little bit, little, little, little more room in the Sumo Hall than uh, Mashita City Gym, Tokyo. I don't know the exact logistics, but I'm going to say it's bigger. Um, and the main event, the, the first All Japan show was uh, Giant Baba and Thunder Sugiyama against Bruno Sammartino and Terry Funk. Well, for the All Japan's 13th anniversary show, the main event was. The AWA heavyweight champion Rick Martel going against the NWA heavyweight champion Rick Flair. <laughs> ah, all right. This would be the first time that no an AWA deal. that an AWA champion faced off against an NWA champion. It would also be the last time that there was a Super Bowl of wrestling. The last time a world champion from one federation faced off against oh, guess, a yeah, world yeah. champion from another federation. And uh, Ric Flair had, ironically enough, been involved in the last one, which was July 4th, 1982, when he faced off against the WWF champion, Bob Backlund. But the uh, last Super Bowl of wrestling ever took place at the All Japan Anniversary Show in the Sumo Hall. Rick Martel, the AWA champion, and the NWA champion, Ric Flair, went to a 30-minute double countout. And that would be the last Super Bowl of wrestling ever. Uh, Just to put numbers on it, as you asked before, so the gym that you mentioned is literally a gym. Yeah. So it's a little gymnasium. So we, we get, like, 
100, 150 people in there, maybe a little if, more. If that, yeah. Sumo Hall has 10,000. Mm, yeah. Slight upgrade. A little bigger. A little Just bigger. put it in perspective for everybody. Yeah. Uh, not to be outdone, uh, the AWA champion uh, Rick Martell and the NWA champion Rick Flair uh, didn't have too much time to uh, lick their wounds or to keep their animosity up because the very next day, as part of the two-day celebration of the All Japan 13th anniversary show, they were a tag team, which marked the first, last, and only time that an NWA champion and an AWA tag team, AWA champion, would be on the same side. So, wow. one day after facing off each other against each other in the Super Bowl of wrestling, the NWA champion and the AWA champion would team up uh, in an All Japan match. Never again. Never before and never again. Staying on this date, Dan, October 21st, 1996. Man, you say the best for last. It's a good day. It, I'm not even done. <laughs> oh, we, we <laughs> no, got I more. Meant, no, I meant the day, though. Just, oh, the day. Just yeah, the day. Yeah, just today. All this happened just today. Uh, 1996, um, the WWF champion, Bret Hart, ended months of speculation and rumor. Uh-huh. And he signed a 20-year contract. With the WWF, the first time anyone had ever so signed a contract of that magnitude for that length, and Brett came on uh, TV and uh, talked about his contract for the first time, probably breaking the uh, fourth ball, but not um, admonishing or not bashing WCW like a many WWF officials had hoped he would do, uh, but very happy about his signing. Of his 20-year contract, uh, of course we know he didn't quite make it to that full 20 years. No, <laughs> I'll be with the WWF forever. Uh... Make that uh, a year later. Um, the contract would uh, become uh, null and void, and the man who brokered that contract, Mr. McMahon, said. Um, you still like that deal with WCW? Because if I were you, I'd take it. Yeah, but, I can't uh, pay you. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yes, so uh, nineteen uh, this day, 1996, Bret Hart would sign his ill-fated 20-year contract with the WWF. Uh, also on this date, if that wasn't enough, and by God, don't you think it ought to be. It ought to be. <laughs> uh, 2001, on this date... WWF No Mercy pay-per-view in St. Louis, Missouri. Home of some of the greatest, home of more NWA world title changes than any place in wrestling history. Well, the NWA title would change hands one more time in this faded city, even though it was on a WWF card, and even though the NWA title is now being referred to as a WCW title, Chris Jericho would defeat The Rock for his first WCW, his first world title and his first WCW title. Jim Ross pointed out, you know, alluded to the history of the WCW slash NWA title and the great men that have held it before, even pointing out the fact that when Chris Jericho was in WCW for three years, never received one WCW world heavyweight title shot. Yet here he was against defeating The Rock for the WCW Heavyweight Championship and winning his first world title 
19 years ago today. Wow. And as we take this on a Wednesday, Chris Jericho is still on a national rated show um, and still going strong. Yeah. But on, on this date, 19 years ago, he won his first world title and he won the long elusive WCW heavyweight title, a title that he never wrestled for when he was in WCW. And he finally won in St. Louis, of all places, the end of a former NWA stronghold. Yeah. And he defeated The Rock. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's uh, it as far as the dates go. I wanted to pay respect to a, um, a wrestler that, uh, that passed away recently. Um, he passed away October 9th. And he's not a household name. And he's a name that I'm sure uh, no, none of you current wrestling fans would know but October 9th we lost uh, Len Rossi uh, Len Rossi was a Tennessee wrestling legend um, outside of Tennessee he would not be a household world if any fan or history uh, any fan of Tennessee wrestling would know the name Len Rossi uh, he was synonymous with wrestling in throughout the uh, 60s and, and 70s uh, his career ended uh, because of a car accident and he hung up in 72. But when he did wrestle in the Tennessee territory, uh, he wrestled with alongside Jackie Fargo. They were contemporaries. And of course, Jackie Fargo being a legend of Tennessee, he was like the Stone Cold Steve Austin of, of Tennessee. And he was so hated for so long that the crowd turned him face because they just loved to boo him so much. Well, Len Rossi never turned. He was always a face. He was... The old term was called a scientific wrestler. He was always a good guy. Um, fans always rooted for him, always cheered for him. And so did the boys and the promoters because he was sincerely one of the nicest people anyone had ever met. It'll be like, I'm looking for an analogy. It'd be like if we were in Florida, uh, there would be Jack, Jackie Fargo would be Dusty Rhodes and Len Rossi would be Jack Briscoe. Or, uh, or like, uh, if they were both in the WWF, there would be Hulk Hogan and Len Rossi would be Bob Backlund. I just want to show everybody uh, watching the stream. That is that is the, the now late, great Len the, Rossi. The late, great Len Rossi, man. And yes. uh, I was looking at this picture and I was looking at the other picture. Man, that dude, other than age-wise, looked, looked like he looked the same until later, yeah. later, later years. And there's a reason for that, Dan. I'll get into, I'll get into that in a second. Um, what made him so important, not just to Tennessee wrestling, um, but to the fans, uh, because he was uh, always, like I said, he was always a, a fan favorite. and He was never healed his whole career. Uh, there was a wrestler in Tennessee called Bearcat Brown that uh, was very popular among uh, the black fans. And when Bearcat Brown teamed up with Len Rossi, that was the first time that a black and white man formed a tag team in Tennessee history. And not just in Tennessee, but in Birmingham and in that whole Southern loop. So that was the first mixed tag team in Tennessee history. And this occurred in 1969. Dan, 1969. Now, we've mentioned on this very podcast in the Wrestling Historian uh, past segments about Sputnik Monroe and how important he was to Tennessee wrestling. 
Sputnik Monroe got black fans into wrestling to the point where they could actually sit beside white people without being up in a crow's nest. They could sit beside them. But black wrestlers still couldn't fight, couldn't wrestle white wrestlers. And they certainly couldn't team up with them. Not until Len Rossi teamed up with Bearcat Brown. So they were the first ones to their first integrated tag team in Tennessee uh, ever. And that was in 1969. Uh, one of the many th- things that made Len Rossi great, the, the tag team of Len Rossi and Bearcat Brown um, was the fans would go crazy because it's like they, the black kids, the black fans like Bearcat and everyone like Len Rossi. So it's like if Len Rossi thought Bearcat was okay and to the black fans, the black, if Bearcat thought Len was okay, then hey, this is our new Babyface tag team. They did an angle with uh, the interns uh, led by the villainous Dr. Ken Ramey where they uh, they beat down uh, Len and Bearcat Brown and they tied Bearcat Brown up and they painted him white. And they did this on Birmingham TV. Okay. What? In an angle that would not go anywhere near doing today, but they held down Bearcat Brown and then painted him white. Oh my god. And they show you how much things have changed. The fans were mad at the heels. They were mad at the interns and Ken Ramey. They were mad at the promoters. They were mad at the writers. They were mad at the uh the NWA. They were mad at the people who did it. And device to say they sold out everywhere they went, turning away hundreds of fans. Uh, throughout Tennessee and Birmingham and um, and Memphis and Nashville, because uh, this is back when Tennessee was both the 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 Nicholas and Jerry Jarrett and Rory Welch. There were like three uh, federations in one all throughout Tennessee, and Len Rossi was a uh, favorite in in all of them. And uh, it got so bad they just shipped the, the interns out because they were worried about their safety uh, for what they did. But um, uh, uh, Len Rossi, and there was a, a picture. You you showed a picture of of Len Rossi. I was there was a picture out there somewhere, and I I looked in internet before we went on the air, and I couldn't find it. Of Len Rossi and Bearcat Brown hugging in the ring, and the fans had gotten up on the apron and were cheering them with their hands above their head of the, these two men hugging, and the crowd was mostly white fans, but you could see some black fans in the back, but um. I couldn't find it anywhere, but that was that typified how fans felt about Len Rossi and uh, his teaming with Bearcat Brown. Yeah, I'm looking um, for it, and it is yeah, nowhere. I, yeah, I couldn't find. Um, it, it might be in a old uh, Jerry Lawler like vault somewhere. Well, it's not on here. I type in Len Rossi Bearcat Brown. No. Yeah, and I yeah I didn't find it either. But uh, but uh, his career ended like a lot of careers ended for wrestlers in their early in the early 70s, a uh, car accident. Um, and he had to say goodbye to the wrestling ring. But he started the Len Rossi health food store. This is in the early 70s, back when health food wasn't a thing. Yeah. And it was still operational up until his death. And he had a long, healthy life. Of he di- Len Rossi died in 91 years old. Yeah. So the health food that he was pushing way back in 1972 – that shit worked because uh, 
Lynn Rossi, uh, again, long, healthy life for any any person to get to 91 years, let alone a professional wrestler. That's say, uh, yeah. To a lot of wrestlers don't even get, get to 70. Yes. Uh, but uh, but Len Rossi was a uh, a great uh, influence. We talked about a wrestler integrating uh, other um, into uh, the South. Sputnik Monroe comes up a lot in Tennessee, but his teaming up with Bearcat Brown was the first time that a black man teamed up with a white man in Tennessee. Now, it was in 1969. I mentioned earlier, in 1963, the first time a black man wrestled another black man in Tampa was in 1963. 1960, yeah. goddamn three. We're so yeah. backwards, man. Yeah, but it took until 1969 in Tennessee to have a white man team up with a black man. I have an ignorant white man question. Yes. What? Here's what I don't understand about racism. Mm-hmm. So, the words I was going to say. So I understand why racists, because they're stupid, mm-hmm. wouldn't want a white man wrestling a black man because they're racist. Yeah. But what the fuck was their problem with a black man wrestling a black man? That doesn't make any sense. The the fear was that fans wouldn't care. The fans don't want to see it. Oh my fuck. Yeah. One is one is it's like one is enough. Okay. <laughs> Two are in the same wrestling against each other. It's like they cancel each other out. But it would, but if it only because it was Bobo Brazil, Bobo Brazil was the most popular black wrestler in the world, and he was definitely in the United States. But the fact that he could that he could take anyone against if it was Tim Anderson against you know some random black dude, you know, who's going to care? But Bobo Brazil against Tim Anderson because people are going to care about Bobo who he wrestles. So, Tim Anderson got the nod, and he was the first time that two black wrestlers wrestled against each other in Tampa, Florida, in 1963. Sure was fans wouldn't care, or they were scared the crowd was going to love it too much, thus cutting out white wrestlers. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just say, I'm not ashamed of being white. I am ashamed of our past. Yeah, I don't care how that makes anybody feel. You know, you're allowed to, it goes to what we're saying with the interview with Lolo is um, you're allowed to evolve and get better. Yeah. You don't have to be like, hurt, hurt, black people hurt, hurt, hurt. I wanted to point out, Dan, I was watching a uh, real sports uh, episode last night on the, they did it uh, on the Negro Leagues and how they, they, you're not going to call it the Negro Leagues anymore. But uh, after they called up Jackie Robinson, who, by the way, wasn't even the best black baseball player that the Negro Leagues had. No. Uh, some guy named Josh Gibson hit 80 home runs in 100 games um, back then. Uh, and 100 games is only is, is how many they could play in a season. Yeah. Not, not 154 that the white players were playing. But I digress. That when after Jackie Robinson got called up from 1948 to 1959, in that 11-year period, Nine MVPs were black players who had played in the Negro Leagues. Nine out of 11. At one point, the two highest home run hitters in baseball history were Hank Aaron and Willie Mays, two players who had both played in the Negro Leagues. Almost as if color doesn't matter. 
Yeah. So it's not like we weren't good enough to play. It's that we weren't being allowed to play. So it's not like black wrestlers couldn't wrestle each other. They weren't any around. But I have another ignorant question. Sir. Why Jackie Robinson, not Josh Gibson? One word. Character. Huh. Uh, Jackie Ro- yes. Jackie Robinson, who was a uh, in the Army. It was college educated, had a degree, uh, personable, likable, well spoken, and I'm saying this now and thank and be, only because the curse has been lifted. Josh Gibson would have fucked up so many white people if anybody had said shit to him about shit. <laughs> and Jackie Robinson was like, "No, no, can't do it." I got. Gotta kind of get. make us look bad if I do this. Josh Gibson would be like, "Hey, come here, cranker." You you call me? What you call me? <laughs> like like Dick Allen. Yeah. Dick Allen, which we still haven't found out which superstar was the one that dropped the N word on Dick Allen that he mm-hmm. was then uh, excised from the Phillies and from their history for forty years, and then they he forgave them. He's a better man than I, Mister Dick yeah. Allen. But the same thing went, the same thing happened. Somebody threw the word at Dick and Dick went to kill the man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did you say to me? Yeah. It it was character. And um wow. and it, not only did Jackie Robinson have the most important job job interview in American history with Branch Rickey when he had the idea of bringing him on, if it had failed. And there was a re- very real possibility. Jackie Robinson, for all the great things he did in the movie forty two Jackie Robinson began his career 0 for 28. Yeah. Okay. Not not a great start. So, um, uh, so in the text, it's like, even if you hate him, Bonds was taught by three Negro League players yeah. to play the game. Josh was proud of his background out in the open, and what Craig Lagans is saying, that Josh would have been killed as well. Yeah. Fuck. He would have gone down swinging, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have taken as many white people with him as possible. Uh, <laughs> if I'm going down here, I'll come with. Yeah, but no, but and Satchel Page was another one. And Satchel Page wasn't. Um, he was just. Uh, I want to say the word outspoken, but Satchel Page wanted to do things his own way. Yeah. And there was a great photo of Satchel Page. It was called Satchel Page's All Stars. He would take a whole bunch of Negro League players and go around the country playing base, looking for a baseball game. He had his own plane. It had Satchel Page All-Stars on the side of the plane. And you said all these Negro League players in suits and hats. This is 1932, Dan. Black people didn't have planes. But Satchel Page had that. And Satchel Page wound up being the world's oldest rookie when he was called up to Kansas City after Jackie Robinson had been in the league for three years. And he pitched. Some would say he was in. He was 48, 49 years old, throwing no hitters, um, in Kansas City. And this was back when you pitched every day. There wasn't every fourth day, and there was no relief pitcher. You pitched every day. And Satchel Page, uh, once threw 112 scoreless innings during his um his baseball career. Uh, and that's pitching every day. Uh, but he was someone that liked to that liked to talk and liked to brag. And like to taunt the players that he would strike out. That the page would look at the opposing player's bench and say, um, you, you, and you. I'm going to strike him out. Then I'm going to tell him to tell your mama that I'm going to strike you out. 
and then I have him tell his mama that I'm gonna strike you both out. So when you go home, all your mamas know who strike your ass out. <laughs> mamas know. Yes, and that's also what the National League did not want in their baseball players. So Jackie Robinson was picked because of his character and impeccable character that he was that he displayed throughout the rest of his life, not in his baseball career, but in his life, working alongside Martin Luther King and Andrew Young and in the civil rights movement to get people like Bobo Brazil to and Bearcat Brown to uh, to have a place in an all-white sport, as it were, like professional wrestling. But um, that's all to say uh, to rest in peace to the late, great Len Rossi, who we, we lost October 9th. At the ripe old age of 91 years old, he lived a long, healthy life. And thanks to Len Rossi, he made a difference in a lot of people's lives. Um, in a point where, you know, met uh, an interracial tag team like the Dudleys doesn't mean anything. But 1969, it did. Wow. But thank you, Len Rossi, for paving the way. And that, gentlemen and ladies, is The Wrestling Historian. And you can find me, Craig Lagonde, on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Craig Lagonde, C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S. Follow me on Twitter at DanLaw83, H-I-A-C, also on Twitter, H-I-A-C Talk Radio. Next week, big Halloween special, Nerd Herders. Some costumes are coming out of mothballs. And by mothballs, I mean just out of that drawer over there. <laughs> I'll be actually wearing mothballs. Hey, man. As long as you don't show any crotch until off air, what they yeah. don't know won't hurt them. I mean, I never wear pants when I do this anyway, so mothballs <laughs> will do it. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, but that's next week. And then the week after? Our 500th episode. We have some special guests. Omega Squad will be there. I only mention him because he's less of a special guest as he's joined us many times since he's he removed himself from full time. I'll say it like that. But um, some oldies and some goodies are coming next week. Uh, two weeks. But like I said, next week, Nerd Herders Halloween special. Uh, VOCNation.com for the audio podcast. You, you can also go on your uh, podcast app on your phone. Type in VOC Nation Radio Network for Craig Legans. Also for Lolo. I'm the above average comedian, Dan Calchico. We will see you next week. Hey, this is Total Package, Lex Luger, and you're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. Check out In the Room. Every Tuesday night at 9, listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you know Ray there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Kaku, and more. It's a heck of a party. 
Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, pregnant. I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into like snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Wrestling with history, the voice of choice, and Killer Ken Resnick. When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airline cheese omelets. Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on? Jesus, how did I get roped into this? General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and who could have Adnan lost a lot of family in the... Iraqi war. Everybody loves Granny. Wow. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that. Yes, Taylor, you guys are busting me up. Catch Wrestling with History with Ken Resnick and I live on VOCNation.com Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern Time or listen to the podcast by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Stadium Journey, the worldwide leader in stadium reviews for the traveling sports fan, is proud to present the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Join us as we talk with prominent figures from around the sports world to discuss issues pertaining to sports travel and stadiums around the globe. New episodes air on VOC Nation Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Join Paul Baker, Dave Cartney, Mark Viquez, Dan Calachico, and guests from throughout the sports world on the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Each and every Thursday night, check it out, WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro, talking old school match of the week, talking dream matches, taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out, VOCNation.com, WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation radio network. Yo, this is Jerry Stags of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs, yeah, you get ready to get nasty. Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, because it's about to get nasty all around and up in this mother. Get ready. Nasty Sensation is coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.